Welcome, happy warriors, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. And uh, uh, great news. I'm absolutely thrilled to tell you that the book that Susan Lappin and I have been working on for quite a long time, uh, it was a challenging book to write because the problem was how do we compress so much compelling information into something that is readable and that is of a suitable length. And the result was our book, The Holistic You, integrating your family, your faith, your friendships, and your finance, and your fitness. In other words, the five essential parts of life all integrated together for complete and total success in all those areas. And so, uh, the book is finally out. It took a long time to design and conceive of. It took a long time to write, and uh, it's actually now out. And so those of you who actually pre-ordered, as uh, we beseeched you to do, well, you're probably holding it in your hands already. You already have it. And uh, for everyone else, well, you can either go to our website at rabbidaniellappin.com, or you can go wherever you buy your books, and get hold of the holistic you. And the, the concept there, of course, is that uh, just the way our bodies are a system, right? Our, our heart has to work, our lungs have to work, our skin has to work, our ears have to work. Everything works together. Our brain interacts with everything. It's a complete system. Or in the same way that uh, a car has to be a system. It's not much good having a great engine if you don't have very good steering. It's not much good having wonderful brakes if you don't have much of a suspension. And so everything has to be designed to play nicely with everything else. That's what a system means. And so it is with every part of our lives, our financial lives, our family lives, our social lives with, with friends and, uh, and civic relationships, political relationships and then our physical health, obviously, and our involvement with all things non-material, with the spiritual side of life, which goes way beyond faith, but we call it faith. And um, that book, The Holistic You, is now out and ready for you. I'd love to hear from you if you've had a chance to read it already. Do let us know and uh, do post reviews wherever you can. So... Um, uh, rather than telling you more about that, or rather than telling you a whole lot about our guest, uh, I have a friend, we've been very good friends for, um, for I don't know, um, more than 20 years, um, and um, his name is Pastor Tracy Armstrong, his wife is Pastor Natalie Armstrong, and uh, Tracy and Natalie have been um, friends with Susan and me for, as I say, a, a long time. It's been a relationship that we've cherished, and we've done lots and lots of things together. And um, Tracy Armstrong is a pastor. He's a preacher, no question about it, a very talented and, and very effective preacher in the state of Washington. Um, but he is also a teacher, and he is also a, an entrepreneur, and he is most sharply focused, I think, in the area of the marketplace ministry. In other words, uh, a similar area in which I feel myself called to, which is helping uh, clarify our relationships with money and what that means and how to impact that. And so um, 
uh, Tracy Armstrong has has labored in these vineyards for uh, for a long, long time, and been getting better and better and better at it. And so, uh, I wanted an opportunity to catch up with him. And again, I thought rather than just uh, have a quick phone conversation with him, why don't I tape it? And my guess was that it would be something that you would find interesting as well. And so that's exactly what we've done. And um, you can, again, you can find out a whole lot more. His website is tracyarmstrong.com, and you'll see him on Instagram and uh, everywhere, all over the place. But uh, uh, he is an interesting person, a, a person of integrity and a person of spiritual seriousness. And I've always found it useful chatting with him. So uh, please go ahead and enjoy my friend and now yours, Pastor Tracy Armstrong. Welcome, Pastor Tracy, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. And I've been looking forward to this opportunity for a long time. You and I have done a lot of things together over the years. And... Um, but it's been a little while since we've worked together. I'm, I, I don't even want to think. It's, it's certainly been a year or two since we've done anything together. Um, tell me a little bit. First of all, first of all, just to to uh, introduce you to the audience, um, just talk a little bit about your background, uh, Pastor Natalie, your family, and uh, how you came to be doing what you are doing, which is really changing the lives of large numbers of people, not just in the Pacific Northwest where you live and when we and where we became friends, but uh, throughout the country. A little bit of, uh, I know you don't like talking about yourself, but now would be a great time if you would. Yeah, I will. I will, I will do that. Well, well, first of all, thank you, Rabbi, for the invitation. And we have been not only uh, connected and we've done work together. We, you know, we really feel that you are you and Susan are friends. We we appreciate you. We love doing ministry together with you and building business together with you and and building the kingdom. So we thank we thank God for that. Well, as we, a we, pastor, we, I, we, I was. Go ahead, sir. No, I'm just going to say we've had a Shabbat meal together as well. I think. Yes, we've had we've had Shabbat meal together. That was yeah. the first we did an interview together on TBN. And then oh, that's right. you invited yeah. us over for Shabbat. And that yeah. was that was that's right. It was yeah. it was wonderful. No, it's, it's I hope to do one a Shabbat meal with you in Israel at some point. Oh, that would be nice. That, yeah, we have to we have to talk about that. Uh we, we will we will be there in a month for a short while. Okay. I've got got some lecturing there. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go go ahead and uh and talk about your background and what brought you to where you are. No problem. Well, I, I I grew up in a a a what some people would say a broken home, but not really even a broken home. My mom gave birth to me uh, when she was 16 years old, so she was pregnant at 15 and a half. Gave birth to me at in 16 and didn't know what to do with a little baby at 16 years old, and so she left me with my grand my grandmother and my grandfather. And my grandfather was you know he's a nice man, but he wasn't. He wasn't like a he wasn't like a hero. He was just a really good man. He was my hero. He was my best friend. He would take me to work. He had, he had two jobs, and one of the jobs was in a theater. He would take me to work with him uh, when I was little, and he'd turn on the movie movies and let a movie play in Grizzly Adams or something like that while he's cleaning the building. And I fell in love with media. I fell in love with television. I fell in love with 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 just creating a a moment or creating something. And so that that was huge. And so he became my best friend. We just spent every day together. 
um, he he was a good man, but he was a gambler and a drinker. So that was that was tough on my grandmother. My grandmother, was a solid Bible believing woman, prayed every day and just believed for the family to be whole. Well, ends up that my my mom comes in, gets me when I'm six years old, takes me to California with her. Still young, she doesn't know what she's doing, and um, you know, just have a little bit of a different difficult time. I end up getting into drugs and and having some challenges and in life, in and out of jail and, and having some real challenges, knowing that I have a purpose, feeling like there's a destiny, but I'd lost any kind of connection with God. I was, I was like, there is no God. There is no God. If there was a God that this wouldn't be my life. And, and so well, one day came to that realization that there was a God and, and, and again, speeding this all up, but, and then realized that God had a purpose for me. And I thought my purpose was to go into Hollywood and to to be in 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 the industry, and just right before I was making that move from Seattle, Washington to, to, Calif to California, I felt this this inward prompting that I I was being called to the ministry, and um, put a, put aside any desire for business, put aside any desire for for Hollywood, just went into the ministry, planted churches. My wife and I have been planted churches and traveling around the world um, as as lecturers and speakers. Um, we've been to, you know, I think we counted like 45 plus countries. Of course, my wife is from Holland, so she's been to so many more countries because you can go to countries just by driving from Holland. And um, so we've seen we've seen a lot of the world. We've been able to make, you know, friends and impact people's lives. And then, you know, we have three children. You know, my oldest, 25. My 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 second child is is uh, 23. Both those are those are males. And then my youngest, 17, uh, Sophia, she's she's like, all my kids are my best friends. My wife's my best friend. We just really get along. We love each other and we root each other on. And so um, right now, what we do is we pastor churches and we pastor people. Um, and my, my goal is I really want to raise up leaders, the next level of leader that will actually launch out into either a church or a business. And so we focus on leadership, raising up people in the business and the marketplace and raising up people in the, in the church world to be able to plant churches. Or, And we've been working over the last over the last few years, three years with a Hollywood Bible study, you know, trying to reach people in Hollywood. And so I'm now able to get my my feet wet in Hollywood again. And and uh, we in 2020, we bought a TV station in L.A. And so we are you know looking to do that work and continue that. And we have a streaming channel. Um, that we we recently acquired, and then we're launching a new streaming channel. So uh, we're we're in the space of marketplace, uh, in in ministry, and in 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 media. So that's kind of like an overview. And um, Pastor Tracy, with the lapids. yes. Uh, Pastor Tracy, was there any um, particular impetus? Was there any moment? There was there something you can put your finger on that transitioned you from the downward path and spiral you were on into yeah, the world that, that was and to 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 the to the i think the kingdom of god has a way of of drawing god draws you he 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 yields uh he he there's a there's a there's a there's a drawing and then there's got to be a yielding i felt the drawing of god to first of all give my life to him i was at a point where i was really desperate and um you know, I hit rock bottom. I was completely, it was, I mean, I'd been selling drugs doing and just hit rock bottom. And I remember thinking that I want to turn my life around. And there was an engagement where I feel like God is actively searching to love people. 
and to connect with people and to help them find their destiny and help them find him. And so that's what that that was the moment where I hit that bottom. And I was like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a better way. And um, that's that that was the turning point. And so so I, I just asked the Lord, you know, to come and let me be a part of his life and him be a part of mine. And um, where were you and what was happening and how did you meet your wife? Okay, so I was, after I made the transition change, I became a youth pastor in Southern California. And I was in San Juan Capistrano. My wife had moved over from Holland to kind of be an executive um, to a family to take care of them. They were a traveling family. And so she took care of everything in their lives. And, and so we ended up being invited to the same birthday party. It was my birthday, it was my friend's birthday. And he invited he, he invited us to his birthday party and and I saw her and I was like, wow, this is this it was kind of like that moment. You're like, this, this, this is either very interesting or this is really interesting. <laughs> this is it was just one of those moments you're like, okay, I don't know if there's love in by first sight, but there was definitely um a, a recognition. There was a recognition, yeah. And we met so we met in Balboa, Balboa, uh part of Newport, California. I remember New Balboa Island very well in Newport Beach. Yes, it's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm pleased. Have you, ever we, sailed, have you ever sailed from there? Have you? I have. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, we once we once sat out some very bad weather docked at uh, Balboa Island. Okay. okay. Um, now, uh, a lot of what you and I have done together involves what I think of as marketplace ministry. Um, ministry on the financial side um, and opening new windows of potential to people on the uh, on the monetary end. Um, how how did you find yourself in that area of ministry, and um, and when was that? That's quite interesting. It was it was in the nineties. It was the early part of the nineties. I've had a heart for for business just always i mean start off with a lemonade stand you know just you just a paper route you've always had a heart for business and exchanging um but when i was in the ministry and we started traveling a lot you know ministry is a business in of itself it, it's we have a product that we are producing and presenting and it's a service so i'm traveling in to, we lived in seattle and i was traveling to irvine california and i was preaching at a church or ministering at a church and the, the pastor asked me, can you meet with one of my business leaders tomorrow for lunch? And I said, yeah, I will do that. Well, it turned out that this business leader really had a hard time connecting with his local pastor, local church, because the pastor them, himself didn't understand how business people thought, didn't understand business people, didn't get it, um, didn't understand the way an entrepreneur thinks. An entrepreneur thinks so much different than uh, you know, probably any other animal on the earth. It's just a different aspect. And so I met with the person and I found, you know, just kind of heard him and I was able to share some things with him. And from there, he asked if I could continue to meet with him. And so I started to coach him and help him along. And I realized that in the, the, the Christian Judeo world, at least in the Christian world, that there is a, there is a, there is a problem with understanding how wealth works and how money works. And, that money is not evil, that there is a, there's a cause and a use that God wants you to have. And so I started to just, just kind of make room to encourage people that are in marketplace and business 
God's not a, against you creating wealth. There's a purpose to your prosperity that we want to help you do it. And that's kind of became a coach. And that's my coaching business started at literally out of my ministry. And then it allowed me to start doing other things that I wanted to do in business. But it started, and that was in, that was in, that was in 90, 95. And um, during the last few years, say from uh, maybe 2019 to now, there have been huge changes in the United States. Yeah, massive. What are you finding are the ways in which the challenges of the people you work with have changed during that time? What have you had to readjust? How, how have you identified the new worries, the new concerns, and, and, and how are you dealing with them? Such a great question. In 2020, I think you and I did an interview and um, there was kind of similar question that you that we talked about, yes. which was, and your response was really, really brilliant. And I'm going to just say your response to posture my response. Your response is that you were in challenging, you were challenging people to read financial statements, to read and to be really e equipped in understanding how money works and the financial statements. Now, that and that season, people were having to make new decisions. They never had to think this way before. It always been systematically the same they didn't have to think outside of the box okay i lose doubling it wasn't really this term pivot wasn't really a term that became a mantra term it became a massive term in almost every communication that you'd receive from a business they would say oh we're pivoting we're pivoting we're pivoting we're pivoting i think that was even though it was a challenging time I could have it I could actually make a change with so many people leave from one city to another city they just decided to because they realized I could actually pivot this is a time that I could actually do something that I've been hoping for and dreaming in and wanting to do and desiring to do and it actually gave them permission to move some people move just because they wanted to move but some people moved and it became a good move when I think that was that has become something that I wanted people to understand you could have always moved you could have always actually had a pivot. You didn't actually need a crisis to pivot. You were already unhappy. And we saw companies that that died in the last two, three, three years. Well, they didn't die because the COVID or whatever pandemic killed them. They were already in a situation where the margins were too thin. And it just allowed what was going to take over the next five years to happen within two years. It was going to happen because they weren't actually ready and conditioned for the pivots that we're already making. We just have seen dramatic pivots. So what what I'm what I'm doing now is I realize that people have this idea that there's an open book. I don't know what's happening. There's still a lot of mystery what's to come. And so it allows us to speak to the dream. What 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 could happen then if you pivoted? What could happen if you actually wrote that book that you've been thinking about? What could happen if you actually started that business that you've been hoping and dreaming and praying about? What would happen if you actually put action to it? What would happen if you actually deci decided to actually go back to school like you've been talking? And so we've been able to challenge people to stop dreaming and thinking and one day off, the one day I'm going to do this to put them back into a position where you have power here to make a decision and you've been given power by a pivot. I can I have to pivot. Something happened. My job is the, inf the inflation is here. 
right? Well, there's always going to, this inflation has been here. It's just increasing. What are you doing? And so I've been teaching people the difference between income and equity. And, and when you tell a person to read a financial statement, to read, to go and study these financial papers, you're telling them to see the difference between income and equity. You're telling them to see this is income, but this is not going to last this. This is, this is, we're going to spend this. What are we going to spend it on? And how do we make equity? How do we develop something that's going to go and pay us 20 years? I, I was talking to a business leader last night and he's like, we're, we're, we, we feel good about up until we're, you know, 2025. Well, he's looking at 2025 because at that point we're starting to talk equity. We're not talking about income. Now we're talking about equity. We're talking about something that we're going to be 2030, 2040. What are we going to do now that actually starts to position us there? And we know that there's inflation is going to up and move. But the people that are concerned about inflation have not been focusing on equity. They've been focusing on income. And if we can get people to focus on equity, write the book, write the book. You are the, the best investment right now is a is is you to to actually put the knowledge that you have, the, the thing that you have. I do a, a, a course with people called The Kingmaker. Well, The Kingmaker is about being able to take what you know, your your message, to take your story, to take the things that you have developed and being able to create a knowledge-based business on that. And knowledge-based business, Rabbi, as you know, Forbes, Forbes says knowledge-based business by 2025 is going to be a $365 billion a year industry, knowledge-based business, online, what you and I are doing now, teaching, training, coaching people online. 300, 360, that's a billion dollars a day is going to hit that industry. That means if it's, let's say if it's not a billion dollars a day, half a billion dollars a day, there's going to be so many more people that come into this industry or into this world that want knowledge from online, online training. That's, that's another half a billion dollars that if you and I have this, we're in this platform, as that, as that platform rises, the income automatically starts to look towards us because people yes. are looking for our knowledge. And so I'm teaching this. I'm teaching platform maturity, making sure that you understand that you're going to sometimes embed yourself based upon equity into a platform that rises, right? I see you on Instagram. I see you. I see you on different platforms. I'm on TikTok. And I put myself in those platforms just, just in case these streams will rise. I'm now on another platform that's new beginning. And it's a community building platform. Well, I'm embedding myself in that platform because I know that I can see that that platform is rising. If I embed myself in that platform, that platform is going to gain another a million, two million, three million people in that platform. Well, I'm already there, which means that they're going to pass me coming through. It's the best marketing strategy there. So we are teaching, we're teaching different approaches to use platform as marketing strategies, to use the visibility strategies, develop your visibility brand, make sure that you're building, uh, you're investing in yourself and then you're investing in, in the fact that you actually have knowledge. I did a, I did a funeral of a gentleman and um, when I, I didn't know him, but I met him once or twice, but I, I, I know his daughter and she's one of my parishioners. And so she said, well, do you come and do the funeral of my father? And I said, fine, I'd like to know a little bit about him. She's telling me about him. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I don't know if you know the movie Forrest Gump, but I'm telling you, if there was ever a Forrest That's Gump, true. this guy was the true Forrest Gump. His life was mysterious. It actually was just incredible. And I remember thinking after doing this funeral, I get there and they, they are doing this amazing military salute to him, honor after honor after honor. And I'm thinking, this guy, he lived this incredible life. No one knows him. No, he's going to die with all of this content that's in him, leadership principles, all of that went to the grave with him. None, none of that's left. And I went, I went walking away and I said, everybody should write a book. 
Everybody should have a book. There should be no one that's alive that shouldn't put at least five, five things that they know into a book so that it at least hits the generation and the sphere of influence that they have. Yes. And um, so I, I believe those are the things and, and I could keep talking about it because you, you spark me, but that's, those are the things that I, I'm knowledge-based business. You know, at least five things, at least five things that someone else should know. And when you know at least five things that someone else should know, you should start, you should start it. You should start a business that shares that knowledge with others. And whether that, and, and, and don't treat it as just a giveaway. Don't just post it, create, put it in some form that it's going to give you, it's going to give you income for your equity, right? It's going to give you money for what you're putting out there. Are you finding um, any younger people hungrily coming for the message or is it mostly people who've already, um, shall we say, gone through their 20s and 30s and uh, are now looking to, as you say, to pivot? Or are you seeing people in their late teens, early 20s saying, I want to get on the right road before I waste time? You know, I see I see there's a, um, you know, the millennials have an interesting thing. And I want to come back to that. I see people that are outside of the millennials, the, the um the the I think the, the Gen X, you know, I see that that generation, they're wanting to know they don't want to do this. They don't want to work their whole life and have nothing. They don't want that. They've seen another generation do that. They don't want to see that the economy can shift or the government can do something mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it removes them and then they have been been powerless. And I think that they want to take charge of their life. I think what I found the the Gen Z, uh the Gen Z is a surprising generation. I think that they are entrepreneurial in their very nature. I think that they are easily inclined to understanding and logical thinking. And I find that there's a lot of them, even though they may not be able to take advantage of what, you know, the programs that I offer because, you know, the price points and all that, but they, we are trying to give and offer. That's why we're on TikTok. That's why we're on these platforms where we're just trying to offer some free content. And I think that mm. generation is going to be surprising. I think that they care. They they actually read what's going on politically. They actually pay attention. They're not just listening to videos. There's a generation that listens to videos. Then there's a generation that listens to videos and, and then goes and study it. That's the Gen Z. Um, the millennials, I found that they have been kind of tricked a little bit not in the not to sound negative, but tricked a little bit with a recession that didn't seem like a recession. The two thousand and eight that that time where they're coming up and their parents are explaining to them why they can't have something, and then instead of going, well, we're going to bust out and become entrepreneurial. Some of them did. They found that there was entrepreneurialism in YouTube and in TikTok and in Instagram, and they actually broke out and were able to become influencers. But some of them just decided they were going to watch videos. And think that they knew something, but never really put it to action, never apply it. And then so instead of going, you know what, we want big homes, we want tiny homes. They 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 go to the tiny, the tiny miniature. And we're gonna live in tiny homes, we have tiny cars, we're actually not gonna buy a car, we're gonna have this, we're gonna get on a platform where we can get an app and we can just rent a car in the city. And so instead of actually letting the restriction push them out, they conform to the restriction. And they allowed tiny homes, tiny cars, tiny incomes, tiny life, tiny minds, right? They allowed the tinyism and they, they call it social justice life, right? And they, they, be, they created this, their own kind of little, little ecosystem that allows them to feel like they are smart in, in their ecosystem, but their ecosystem doesn't actually fit in other generations. That's so interesting what you're saying. I just published a thought tool. Uh, a day or two ago, 
speaking about the um uh the the uh, virus of shortage that people absorb into their souls the idea of shortage and instead of defeating shortage and overcoming shortage there's a tendency to adapt to it and say okay well that's how i'm going to live and um and so people are not getting married they're not having children they're not raising families to some extent influenced by this world of shortage it sounds as if that's exactly what you're dealing with well that's exactly a generation so if you think about in in you know 2008 that 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 shortage parents explaining why they couldn't do vacation or why you couldn't get the burger or whatever it is and then they just instead of going oh this is poverty they go oh this is just the way we have to now live in a shrunken situation and then they just excel accept that and then you have at the same time which was kind of like a interesting thing at the same time you have a political leadership that's now starting to say social justice and denying yourself and having you know, a sense of a sense of altruism that de denies yourself to give the other people that that became a, a, a political statement, social justice. It actually destroyed, I think, the mindset of, of, of wealth and creating wealth and doing and actually working and being, you know, someone who's showing up. Um, I think it actually destroyed a lot of in society. In your work, are you seeing um, anything at all that says men are having it harder than women, men have a more of an uphill struggle, um, that men have to counter an anti-masculine message before they can thrive and prosper. Are you seeing any of that or, or is that just um, um, noise in the culture? I think men are actually feeling, I mean, I think society is, you know, doing this thing where the message is, I should say, of societies, we're doing this thing where men being masculine, being a man, um, shouldn't is wrong. And you know that idea of that you have to do the be the bread worker, bread maker, all of that stuff is actually they're, they're trying to to break it down. And I and in my in my world, we we want to teach men what what being a, what manhood is, what manpower is. Not that we would ever use that to to control, but we use it to influence. And I think the I think the thing is is that people think that being a man is controlling, instead of being a man is the one that isn't able to empower everyone. My wife is empowered. My wife is very powerful. Her ministry is a, a dynamic. Uh, uh, Susan Lappin is a, a powerful woman. You know. Yeah, we, both we both of us both of us are married <laughs> to powerful women. <laughs> <laughs> and we and and there's there's no lack of masculinity that's that that we we actually are thankful that we have been given and blessed with uh women that are extremely powerful and i believe that the the real if i were to say the real mantle that's placed on a woman is to be an influencer and the real mantle on a man is to be the one that is able to to go to go out to be out to be sent out and I think that's that's really important that a man should have enough courage to go. If they if we do in our society what we're doing, we're gonna we're gonna destroy the courage of a man to show up and stand in front of a lion when it's necessary. What should parents be most frightened of, most concerned about, most determined to combat um raising children, let's say, you know, from adolescence 
upwards at at this point in and i'm talking with pastor tracy armstrong at the uh, end of summer 2023 uh, what what should what what are parents or should parents mostly be concerned about now perhaps in a way that might have been different uh, a generation or two ago i think i think there's there's several things and you know i don't want to i don't want to put on parents like like we haven't been trying but i think that the fact is is there's a concern that man this is happening to my children right now and i think the concern is if your children don't know how to handle what's happening right now, you didn't train them 10 years ago. You didn't train them five years ago. You didn't prepare them for this. And the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And, and then we should be focusing on where they're going. So I'm talking to my children about where they're going. I talked to my children. I was talking to some some parents, some fathers last night. And we had a little men's gathering, just some pastors here. And, and I'm in Idaho right now. And so we talked a little bit about how, you know, I, I said, you know, there's some things that whether you believe it mystically or you believe it just practically, um, the scripture does tell us that there are, there's an ability for generational curses to visit, right? Visit, you know, three to four generations. Well, I want to make sure I'm ahead of the visitor. So I talked to my children about what my patterns were, what my habits were, what my lifestyles were. So when my daughter is 17, 16, I think, 14, I said, you know, I'm so thankful that we have a different lifestyle that I was raised in because I my, my mom gave birth to me at 16, right? So I'm talking to her about the visitor that would want to come if it was a revisiting of a generation after generation. And so I think what parents are, if, if a parent is really nervous, uh, they're nervous because they didn't actually pre-warn or pre-set up or prepare their children for what is to come. And so what you can do now is start to think about the visitor that could come. Uh, what's going to happen if society continues to change? What's going to happen if the messages are, you know, whether it's a woke message or whatever you want to call it, uh, what happens if that continues and you don't want that message in your life? Well, uh, we can't change what society is doing, but we can definitely steer our children in the right way. And if we are ahead of the game and not trying to play catch up, then we'll be very much more comfortable, much more confident. I, 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 someone asked me yesterday at a meeting and they said, what did you what was the best time of your child rearing and raising your kids? I said, the best time for me, they thought maybe when they were little and they were cute and cuddly. I said, the best time for me was when they became decision makers. The more I had to relinquish my decision making for them. And then they had the privilege of being able to make their own decisions. That's beautiful. Watching them come to those conclusions and realize that's what we talked about. And those those thoughts, they, they wield, they worked in their mind until it actually manifested in front of me. And I'm like, that was great. That was brilliant for me. I love that, that watching them. And, and I watched them make some hard decisions, some challenging decisions. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good one. And all of a sudden, you know, then they got, they flip, you know, three weeks later and they go, you know what? I didn't make it right, but I'm getting it right. And I'm like, oh, it ended up right because that's what I want. I want the things that I've trained them in to actually have be trained in them and not just be an idea that just flew past. Yeah. I mean, I mean, since I've known you, there's vast numbers of people whose lives are being redirected and transformed and uh, put on a wonderful new track by you and your wife. And um, I wonder if, if you could, at this stage of your career, could you characterize the sort of person, in other words, if 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 I was speaking as I am to to an audience, and I would say, "Hey, 
um this is the type of person this it's at this stage if you're at this stage of life you need to seek out pastor tracy who are you looking for what sort of people right now can best benefit from what you're able to do for folks that's an incredible question i i think right now my focus in the target person the person that i'm actually looking to reach I, I mean, I think I have a message for everybody, but I really feel that I work the best with and for my content and what I share is for the person who wants to make, they want to make big moves. They want to actually leave a major impact. They want to create wealth. They want to, they want to shift society. They don't want to just get another 100,000, 200,000. They're looking to really would be, would be a wealth creator. And it, and it could be they 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 could come to me at you know let's say my my I like a person to have made at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and again putting monetization on it just because of an out output that a person needs to have to get to a certain level of income. But if I were looking at building a target, I'm looking at that target because that person has incorporated a world outside of themselves. A person who makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year actually look at themselves and says, I need someone else to be on the team with me. And they build a team around them. So mm-hmm. I like to work with people who are building teams. I like to work with people who are leading teams. I like to work with people who want to lead teams, who want to become a leader in whatever sphere of influence they're in. So if that's, if you're talking, if I'm, if I could talk to leaders, if I can talk to people who want to be leaders, who know that they're supposed to be leaders, wealth creators, team builders, corporation builders, ministry builders, your builder, I th- hopefully this is answering your question, but this is, yes. this is what I dream. Yeah. This is the person I dream of and talking to. We have these people who are listening and watching right now. How do they best reach you? I think the best the best way to reach me is is I'm I'm on Instagram. That's a great place to touch base with me. Uh, Tracy Armstrong at Tracy Armstrong Instagram. My website is uh, Tracy T R A C E Y Armstrong dot com. Um, and then if you go to the kingmakerchallenge.com, that's a great place to connect because we want to. So tracyarmstrong.com and at Tracy Armstrong on Instagram and uh, kingmaker is the section. Uh, that is how you can best uh, get a hold yes. of Pastor Tracy and um and see whether there is a way of integrating his guidance into what you want to do with your life right now, whether it's ministry or whether it's in finance or a combination of both, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, that um, that is terrific. I can't wait to see you again. Um, we We did not get to the Pacific Northwest this summer. And we've just been working on a couple of new book releases, and uh, we just wanted to try and get them done. Um, hopefully, we thought we'd get them done before Labor Day. Not exactly, but but we're 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 getting there. We're nearly done. So, are you um, able to, are you able to share at least titles of your book release? Uh, well, the the first one that'll be out in um, uh, late September is called "The Holistic You: oh. Integrating." your family, your finance, your faith, your friendships, and your fitness. Excellent. And uh, 
and the other two are new edition releases of Business Secrets from the Bible and Thou Shall Prosper, and then a workbook, an, a, a, an accompanying workbook for each of those books. Well, I look forward to that. I, I just, the, the luncheon I had right before we jumped on this call, I was talking to three business owners that they all read Business Secrets from the Bible. Oh, um, I'm so pleased. They, they have all had dramatic impact in their in their organizations. From oh, I'm so happy. Oh, that's that's really good to hear. Well, I um, look forward to working together again. I I I I love. I enjoy when we're online, and that's fine. But I really like when we can get into a room together. Yeah. With a crowd. Yeah. With a crowd. And, yeah. And so I will. I will be looking for that myself too. Well, you guys. It, it, not that long ago, you guys came to our city and we're in our home. Yes, we did have a good time. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, certain, please be sure to make certain that if you're anywhere near our corner of the country, be sure to let me know. And obviously, I, w I won't come to Seattle without telling you. Yeah, please do. We would love to host you. And I'll Thank look for you. opportunities for us to work together. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we will do some good things together. I look Thank forward. You, Rob, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Please, uh, I mean, I, I I know Pastor Natalie will remember Susan and me, um, and your 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 older children, the two boys, almost cert certainly will remember me. So please, please yeah, give them every everybody no, our our very best wishes. I will. I will. Thank you, Pastor thank Tracy. God bless, and thank you, you so much for spending a few minutes with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Pastor Tracy Armstrong. And um, that means that we're coming close to the end of today's show, but not it's so close that I can't still invite you to be part of our Happy Warrior community. Uh, I'm sure that you are working on thy, the holistic you, integrating your finances and your family, your friendships, your faith and your fitness. And uh, it's so wonderful to be able to do that in conjunction with other people, to be able to share the effort and to be able to collaborate with folks and, uh, and get a little bit of encouragement when things are a little tougher, as they often are, and giving some encouragement to others when they can use it as well. And so head over to RabbiDanielLappin.com where you can become a happy warrior. Join our community. It's a growing community of very high-quality individuals, and I think you'll find that very quickly. So go ahead and join the Happy Warrior community, and make sure you've got your copy of The Holistic You, and uh, we get ready to say goodbye to you because it'll be another week before we are together. And, um, and as always, I want to wish you a week of growth in your families, in your finances, your friendships, your faith, and your physical fitness. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.